This is the ModPod, brought to you by Modality, helping businesses optimize their Microsoft technologies everywhere. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the Mod Pod. And we are back from the summer break and we have with us Ricky Fancelli, who is head of sales. Lindsay Ansell makes a return and she is customer success manager for our products team. And we have three fresh topics, which are uh, how has the marketplace changed the sales or procurement with the introduction of cloud? Uh, the impact of Microsoft moving to a more security compliance and identity structure and how does networking fit in in today's world if it does? Cool. Happy? Let's crack on. Yeah, thanks, Pete. Uh, I think it's an interesting topic um, about how the market has changed with the uh, acceleration of cloud, both in terms of customers' acceptance of it, as well as how we as sales teams have had to evolve in order to uh, meet the different demands of, of, of selling various cloud services. Um, but I think the, the starting point for a lot of this is actually just understanding what cloud means. So it's it means, well, can mean quite a, um, quite a, a different thing to a lot of different people. So I, I suppose just internally having an understanding of, of what we mean by cloud and then modality that revolves around the Microsoft cloud, unsurprisingly. Um, but also, is that the same as the customer's understanding of what cloud means? And I think probably the most important thing is actually understanding what the customer means by their own cloud strategy or their own plans around cloud. Would Would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, I think internally, we definitely have a very different picture because we have to differentiate between public clouds. Well, I can't even say it, public clouds, private clouds. Um, but to the customer, I think there's an awful lot about its cloud, i.e. it's not mine, it's not in my data centers, I don't have to look after it, maintain it, it's just somewhere else. And I think that is the fundamental sort of client view of it. I might be wrong, but I, I, it's, I it's I generally an easy way to explain it, I think. Yeah, I, th I think you're right. And, and and clearly at Modality, we look at most things through the Microsoft lens. Um, so we talk about what are the microsoft clouds at least what microsoft used to refer to as multiple clouds um but which they now refer to as the microsoft cloud so i, I think a lot of um the messaging that's driven by microsoft has has driven customer behavior so for us we always try and align with the way that microsoft uh, talk to customers in terms of um, what their language is and especially as we move into this world of public cloud, let's call it that, that it's not sitting with the customer, then um, I think a lot of what we've had to do has has um, has um, evolved in line with our move from on-prem Skype for business to, um, to Skype for business online, to Teams, which is an inherently cloud-based solution, to the wider Microsoft 365 stack, uh, and then into the world of Azure. So, so I think, you know, there's a lot of ground to cover across um, the technologies that, that that represents. And and I think a lot of what we've had to do as a sales team is um, evolve in line with that. Yeah. And I think I think because obviously, <clears throat> you know, I've, I've had a fair amount of involvement with pre-sales in the past, shall we say. Um, 
and I think you know you only have to look back a couple of years and people were still very much purchasing you know for example start for business 2015 it was going into their data centers it was building stuff we were you know commissioning all that kind of that area the cloud pbx teams piece and and the various other sort of services that are delivered by microsoft if you look at it now yes we're still selling microsoft stuff but we're not selling it and building it we're actually selling the way to use a service so we don't build teams right but we show people how to use it we set it up we configure it right we pull in the various additional parts that complement it etc but we don't build so we've gone from a a model where we would sell a solution and go and build it to now where the solution is effectively part sold already yeah it's, so and we're now bringing all the other components in to make it work and i think that i think that's a there's two angles to this isn't it i mean you, you know, as sales guys <laughs> you've got to go out and sell these um services and this knowledge and this experience etc but from the client angle they've almost got to get their heads around the fact that okay you've bought a product but you've got a service description here that tells you about everything you're going to get yep. and then you've got to work out what to do with it yeah i think and i think there is there, there are some interesting points there as well which is so cloud and um probably overlaps with software as a service i you are consuming a service from a cloud provider mm -hmm. um how however a lot of um the uh the capabilities within the microsoft cloud require some deployment or some guidance in terms of how to make that work um and and i think that uh, what we do as modalities very often help customers understand what best practice looks like in terms of making that work and then seeing whether um our customers uh, have the skills the resources the capabilities to do that themselves or whether they need some help with that with someone like us and that's typically from um a range of capabilities across our professional services to to enable and and deploy some of these capabilities maybe third-party solutions that in, integrate with that uh, what are the managed services around that that can help the operational model you know what's the adoption and change management journey that the customer needs to go through in order to embrace this new technology uh, and is there any software that um that can be provided that integrates with the um with, with that cloud solution in order to optimize that experience so i think I think the way that we sell has definitely changed as you as you say it's it's ensuring that we understand what we can do that complements um what the customer is investing in um in terms of microsoft's cloud capabilities um and and in, um uh, hopefully demonstrating value for what those capabilities are and that will then lead into what the procurement process is um and so I think customers kind of embracing cloud once they kind of get on board with understanding it or is there still some kind of like i suppose you'd expect to see some resistance in kind of heavily regulated industries and businesses maybe um you know yeah i think putting their data in in a big cloud it's probably good yeah, I, I raise think, I think red I, flags or are people more on board with the concept now and kind of i think there's know. been a bit of a steam train yeah. It definitely in the last two years. 
Um, <laughs> so yes, you have got, you have got <laughs> well, <laughs> even even before, even before that. But um, and there's a fine for mentioning the uh, that word. Um, say it. <laughs> no, just checking. Um, but if you if you if you look at it, you know the the way that Microsoft have taken the sort of the comms piece and they've moved that into the cloud with Skype online, etc. And obviously that's now been retired, and that's um, everything's focused on Teams. It's very difficult to avoid using the cloud in sort of you know in its entirety now. So people have been driven towards using the cloud, but I think even the highly regulated industries are looking at it going, well, actually this stuff's really cool. That's what we need to be doing. And the, the worry about the security around it is I think definitely lessening. I think I think when you've had um, uh, very um, security conscious um, and extreme security posture organizations um, moving towards the cloud, I, th I think to, the, to a very large degree, those concerns have been addressed. And and I think where we are right now in the market is it's not cloud. Why or should I move to the cloud? It's um, it's to what extent? It's when? It's you know? It's what timescales? It's how do I do it? So I think most customers, in fact, the overwhelming majority, I can think of very few that are not on some kind of cloud journey already. So then we go back to that starting point, which is understanding what that means. And I think where we need to constantly um, ensure where we're starting with a customer is understanding what their strategy is. How does cloud actually align with their business strategy? You know, this is, yes, of course, we can, customer can embrace some services that Microsoft makes available in the cloud, but the really super exciting stuff is, is how cloud can be used as a platform uh, in order to move to serverless architectures in looking at things like application uh, modernization by moving all these business applications which currently sit in data centers and and within um and and on-prem to public cloud um uh, environments and architectures and 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 i think we're relatively early on that journey and um i think that's a hugely exciting thing for us to look forward to yeah i mean i'd say i've uh, out of all the time i've been doing this uh i would say i have come across one conversation just one conversation out of the hundreds of, <laughs> if not thousands of conversations I've had, where customers said, oh, can you come in and have a chat about X, Y, Z? We said, okay, so let's talk about your your architecture. What have you got in place at the moment? Where are you? And they were a new company. So everything, everything was online. They had not a jot of on-prem infrastructure. And you're talking to them going, Right. Okay. So let's forget about the basics. We can do that. You know, we're not we're not moving you to a cloud here. But you then start the conversation out into all these various sort of different um, different angles. You know, angles about you know the security and what you're going to use next. Are you going to automate stuff? You know, etc. Um, and one thing we've seen very very recently is a a, a real sort of um, hick into the area of the sort of the power automate power platform um, and people want to know about bots and they want to know about how they're going to look at you know create them look after them and that's come as a bit of a surprise because i thought that would take a little longer to to come into it but you know the, that sort of again that's another sort of shift almost on from the cloud strategy piece what's your cloud strategy piece right i've got that bit now i'm gonna go on to the onto the next thing and sort of 
start enhancing it. Yeah, I think, and I think that's it. What what um, uh, providers can actually do with the data once it's in the cloud, that's that becomes so powerful. And mm -hmm. again, we're very early in in uh, the evolution of of that story and and um, being able to take those capabilities out to customers. So again, that's a hugely exciting um, world for us to to, to move into um, as, as we go into the second half of this year and beyond. Cool. And just a quick question, Lindsay, has it changed anything from the product side? Has anything had to be reimagined from that sort of side? Or is it because we've been doing products that work against those 365 uh that 365 environment anyway are we sort of carrying on the path that we were on or, or has that changed yeah no i think we are carrying on the path that we were on to be honest there's much more of a focus now um like as ricky said with software as a service so a lot of our a lot of our projects are kind of products sorry are deployed using that model and we kind of kind of go lead with that first from a sales point of view um yeah that's that's definitely the direction of travel and kind of we want to go serverless as well on the back end so um so yeah it is it is funny thinking about um some of our software products that involved actual boxes and physical things <laughs> back in I, the day. Re I remember the days <laughs> of getting super excited when your server turned up and you had like it was like a big Meccano kit that you could yeah. spend two days in a room sitting there just plugging bits in but yeah. uh yeah okay um cool so uh we've covered the sales side what about just the procurement side just before we move on yeah yeah i think oh, there's I, th I think it, it goes back to um very often in the world of cloud uh um either we are reselling someone else's cloud service. So it could be Microsoft's cloud service um, or cloud via our uh, CSP status, uh, or it could be that we're working um, with an investment that our customer is making via a licensing service provider into something like Microsoft 365 or, or with Azure. But either way, uh, there are, I suppose, more components that the customer needs to be keep, keep in mind when, um, when making these decisions. And the big one here, of course, is is the Microsoft licensing that's associated with this. That's a that's a big part of the investment. Um, whereas before, it would be predominantly, you know, you you buy a license, perpetual license. You then sweat that asset for the for the lifetime of that license. Now it's a subscription based service, and it's it's really looking at okay, what does that subscription give me? Um, there are constantly things being added to that, for example, in the Microsoft 365 um, bundles that are available. Um, does that then replace any of the other things that I've already invested in as a customer? So, for example, point security solutions that um, that the uh, E5 um, SKU may, may touch. And so procurement managers need to be looking at, okay, how can I potentially drive cost savings by consolidating the investments I've already made? Um, and by by really being made aware of what I actually am entitled to as part of that subscription uh, subscription. Wonderful. So my topic for today is Microsoft have announced that they are moving much more into an organizational structure that reflects uh, security compliance and identity. Uh, and that was one of the topics, um, one of the announcements made recently. 
And so I guess what do we see as the impact of that on on us and on clients? Yeah, I think it's so. Um, Microsoft's new financial year um, starts in January. Every January, they take the opportunity to communicate their strategy and and new messaging for the year ahead at their um, annual Inspire conference um, for their partners. Uh, and so, as part of that, um, they've very much spoken about um, how much of a priority. Um, security compliance and identity is for them so much so that they've created a whole um, a completely new specialist sales team um, that will be focused on on selling that working closely with the modern work sales specialists and technical specialists in order to do that uh, as well as um, um, as well as really looking at okay the creation of a whole new business unit that underpins that so um and I guess the view there is that uh, it, security would sit more sat more naturally previously in Microsoft um, within modern work and security. They now really recognize that actually security underpins everything within the Microsoft cloud. So whether you're talking um, modern work and Microsoft 365 or whether you're talking Azure or Dynamics, you know what? It's actually the same um, uh, considerations that underpin all of those capabilities across the Microsoft Cloud. So um, it then starts becoming more of a conversation of, all right, what do we need to do um, to ensure that the capabilities across that stack uh, are considered, um, evaluated, um, and then um, deployed in an appropriate manner? Yeah, and I do, I do think it's, it's a good move. Um, I mean, security, compliance, that identity piece, that I think, to cut to come to a realization that it's you know it underpins everything now is it's probably better late than never but it's, it's like security from um you know from from a very basic perception you wouldn't go into an organization and secure just that bit over there you know you have to look at your security and say right okay these are the perimeters that we're going to put in these are the ways we're going to secure you know we're putting out mobile devices therefore we need to secure it that way it is a complete single story just with a shed load of chapters in it um so i think you know it, it's good that they've they've come to that because not only does that mean that it's 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 interwoven right the way through and especially when you go up to something like the e5 license um but if you if you look at you know what's going to happen i guess as more and more people move on to 365 and start using teams more etc etc there will come a point where yes teams is still developing but the core of it the elements that people are getting to grips with now will become the default and it will become every day and it'll become run rate you know the same way that exchange has and so actually the biggest threat then becomes how you make sure your devices how you make sure your data and how you make sure your your users are actually pinned down and it comes down to that that golden triangle of you know um what are you trying to access from where and is it really you and that's what those three components really come down to right yeah agreed i think it's interesting also that they've included um a couple of uh, a couple of services within that team so they've got their microsoft managed desktop um service as well as uh, the new windows 365 um uh, 
which is their, their cloud PC um, uh, um, offering, which has just been um, launched at Inspire as well. Mm. So, so, so both of those sit within that new security compliance and identity team um, to take the lead to take uh, that to, to uh, the market and to their customers. So, um, yeah, we, I, you can see where they're going with this. Um, yeah. And, and it's, it's about, um, you know, ensuring that, that the cloud, the Microsoft cloud becomes the provider of, of and, uh, all the productivity and um, infrastructure and platform as a service capabilities for customers. Um, and all of the security capabilities required to, to do that are inherent within that Microsoft cloud. So, you know, in fantastic time to be um, bringing those capabilities to market um, mm. for, as a partner to to align with what Microsoft is doing there. So I think um, you know we as Modality are very well placed to uh, to be working closely with our customers and with Microsoft to make the most of that. Do you think customers who are thinking about security think about Microsoft? If you know what I mean. Do you think uh, that's I, I, like it, a and that pairing or do you think it's going to be a bit of a surprise not a surprise but like some customers might go oh yeah Microsoft <laughs> do security stuff that's yeah I think like I think I think that's a really good question Lindsay because I think it's um and the answer I would say is increasingly by the day so right. it's uh in so Microsoft have always addressed security um, and um, I think one of their big differentiators with their cloud um, platforms has been um, the, the security reputation um, of those platforms and, uh, and, and the security solutions that they provide as a result of that. But going and positioning yourself as a security vendor, an out and out security vendor as they are now, mm. that does take them into a slightly different space um, in have a slightly different conversation with customers. Um, but it is interesting, you, you know, we um, I, from I believe that uh, Microsoft are in the um, top right magic quadrant in uh, for, for five Gartner categories, security categories. They're in the top um, tier of the Forrester Waves for, for seven categories. So, you know, this is genuine market recognition of, of where Microsoft are with this stuff. You know, this is not new to market immature offerings. This is genuinely well, market leading stuff. If you look back to, you know, sort of uh, early 2000s, um, you, you know, you had products like ISA, um, the ISA server, which was effectively, um, you know, a perimeter device. Um, and that was absolutely rock solid. And, you know, that got sort of branded and changed. And it's all been sort of moved, you know, to, to the next generations as we've gone through into the cloud. But there's a couple of consultants in our team and it's it's quite an interesting conversation to have with them because if you're working completely from the cloud effectively you know i'm at home here i've got a very 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 basic sort of um uh connection at home you know it's just a fiber connection it's nothing fancy on the router all the security is provided at the windows layer and at the uh, m365 services that we we have so the security question becomes as companies move more and more to cloud are they going to need firewalls and various other bits and pieces um you know or, or do you just do it all at a service and an application layer and you know it, it you can see where it's going because 
by the time you've taken Windows 365 um, and you've got all your DLPs and you know various other policies in place, that's a really, really, really strong message. So do you need to secure your, ins your internal network? You probably do because there will be other things in there because you know you've got um, you know emergency devices for lifts and vending machines and all sorts of stuff that needs to still be connected. So there is a there is a, a still going to be a basic need for it, but it's not going to be the level that it always used to be. Yeah, I think the uh, and let's not underestimate the importance of um, the compliance aspect in this. So I think that. Uh, organizations um, are, are very much being driven by the demands of their particular industries to ensure that um, they comply in terms of um, the way they manage their data and their customers' data um, to, to whatever particular drivers they have within that, that market segment. And I think you know, having solutions um, that address that is, is going to be such a big part of the conversation that, that we have with our customers and and that Microsoft have with theirs. So, you know, identity underpins the way that you access the cloud. S security features, um, uh, I guess, um, work on how you access data, how the data moves around, protects that data, uh, and then compliance ensures that that, that we um, um, that our customers uh, are adhering to to their particular industry drivers. And so, I think. You know, having a completeness of vision across those three things is is mm. going to be a very good thing. And there's That's only it. going to be more and more oh. and more data, isn't there, to look after? And there more is and and more it, security features, yeah. And, <laughs> it, and it does make you wonder how the cloud services that aren't being taken from Microsoft are going to bring all of those components together yeah. in a corporate environment for sure. Must make it a very very difficult, I would imagine. Yes, I think, and I think the more complex the world of um, cybersecurity becomes, the more difficult I think it is for people to be able to have that um, addressed um, in-house. Uh, it's not to say it can't be done, but you need some very clever people with a very broad set of skills to be able to cover all of that ground. So, you know, at, at a certain point, um, people need to make those decisions themselves in terms of how far they take that investment and and how much they trust partners such as Microsoft or their other security vendors. All right. So I think it's fair to say that we're we're, we're all in favor of that then. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Right. Should we tackle we're, we're, uh, topic number three. So my topic for today is how does networking fit into hybrid work and does it or can it or should it <laughs> um so previously when i was an office-based employee i would kind of benefit from um obviously being co-located physically <laughs> with um, colleagues and not always colleagues that I directly worked with so I would speak to people kind of outside of my um, <laughs> inner circle of doing um, because they were just kind of there. Um, You'll speak to the outsiders then okay. Yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> That's it yeah um, but kind of more and more I'm finding that being based primarily from home, especially at the moment, um, 
I tend to only really speak to people on teams because I need to speak to them because I need to get work done and we need to get work done collaboratively so I kind of losing that um like you know bumping into people or overheard conversations that you know sometimes in the office I'd be talking about something with a colleague in front of me and someone over halfway across the room would go oh I've done that before and this worked really well or um you know oh, you might want to try turning it off and on again I think uh, what you're what you're referring to doesn't just stay sort of contained to the office either does it it's no. when you go out to meet you know clients or you go to shows exactly. or you go to you know whatever it is to to meet you know it's those casual interactions isn't it yeah Yeah, and learning about your colleagues as people as well which is a lot harder to do now I think like I'm having to actually put in people's cat just drop meetings into people's calendars not to talk about work or to progress a work item but just to have a chat because you're my colleague and there's a part of me that thinks is that the right thing to do? <laughs> I don't know, but selfishly, yeah, I just I do think, it because otherwise, I think I'm missing out on. Yeah, I think, and and Lindsay, I think that, and and what you've raised there, it, it's it's a very hot topic, um, and, and you know, it's covered in the press a lot at the moment. But I do think when when we're in um, lockdown, COVID world, we, we were very much um, uh, forced to do remote working, and I'd like to distinguish between remote working and hybrid working. Now that people are returning to the office and the fundamentals have changed, um, it doesn't look like everyone's returning to the office full time like we were before. So at that point, companies are working out what's the right balance to um, enable flexible or hybrid working so that there is a combination of that remote working from home as well as um, allowing people to actually physically interact. Um, Because I think there is a recognition, a general recognition that you can't replace the the type of um, uh, collaboration that occurs from those ad hoc encounters um, when people are actually physically located uh, near each other. So I think I think there's a couple of things here. One is you know what's the right balance in terms of that, um, and that's something that you know everyone's trying to work on at the moment. Um, the other one is you know what does that actually look like if if people are more remote than hybrid you know if there's if if there's not the right environments there for people to to um socialize with or interact with Uh, and then you know how do you replace what used to happen when you are more remote and and i think that suggestion you made is is a fantastic one you know putting in um catching up with people randomly um uh, is well, certainly better than not doing it, I would say. So, yeah. <laughs> and one of the things, you know, that was, that's been done, because obviously we've got quite a few new members of the team that have joined us. But similarly, along your sort of vein of getting to know people, um, what we've got is every every two weeks, and this was put up by um, Chris, was we have little sort of breakout gatherings on, a, you know, one, one of the afternoons. And... Um, the team get broken randomly into groups of sort of five people or six people, something like that, um, based on nothing. It's Excellent. just just and they sit and have a chat for a, you know an hour about absolute nonsense or you know whatever it is. So I think there are there are ways to mitigate 
the damage being done. I don't mm. think it replaces it. I think the importance of actually physically meeting is still, you know, right up there on you know on, on the scale of things. But you know, it it is very difficult to to build those relationships with people. But having that time, which is not work conversation, I think is, is you know is is critical there. And and, and also, I think it it does put an onus on organizations to develop um, uh, environments that promote collaboration when people are actually in a physical location together. So uh, you, I think the old office layout of lots of cubicles with, you know, so, so, so sort of head high walls that that certainly, you know, you can't see that existing anymore. So I think no. um, I think office spaces that very much promote people um, hot desking, sitting in random places, um, working with people that um, they may not have actually, or, or working near people they may not actually know that well. I, I think it has to be a way that you start to build those things. Because I think when you have, typically I think managers and teams are not bad at, at getting their um, those groups of people together. Um, yeah. you, and you probably communicate well with people you know, or you know people you do, but what about the people you, that you, don't have anything to do with, or you kind of know about them, but you have no real reason to do it. I, first of all, I applaud that you just make the time to to connect with some of these people. Like that, I think that's brilliant. Um, but but I think you're you're the exception um, in certainly in our company and 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 you know I'd say across the the wider industry. So, um, but you know how how do we do that? We can do that in the office, and yeah, I think some more thought needs to be given. How do, how do we do that? over things like virtual meetings and virtual interactions as well. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the thing I I miss is, I mean, I've, I've said for a long time, if I'm going to the office, I'm not going to the office with the intention to work because I just never got anything done there particularly. I'd have shed loads of conversations and all of which were really valuable, either in relationship building or, or getting an understanding of something. But, you know, I wouldn't go and sit and write a document because I just couldn't. But it's that that sort of interaction that i miss and the oh so and so is walking up to lunch oh i'll come with you all right cool i mean most of the time they said no don't come with me but you know that's a that's a personal thing but um, but you know it, it is that um i think just that casual conversation because you talk up you know you, you walk up to go get a sandwich or whatever it was a bite to eat you might talk a bit about work but it's probably not you know, top of the agenda list, is it? Is you just what, talk about whatever it is. Or... Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, or how Italy go? won the Euros or, you know. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Ricky. We can cut that bit yeah. out. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> I also wonder how it will impact um, sort of people who are looking for jobs in the future, because a lot of if I've ever been looking for a job in the past, a lot of the kind of um, like a lot of the reason that I would decide to take a job was based on the people and the vibe and mm. the kind of atmosphere in the office. But that's gone now. So do you base it on What's other on? things? Do you, well, you know, base it on a, the handful of people that you're going to work with? I guess you probably I, do. I, I, I don't I, know. I, well, It'd be interesting I, to kind of see if the social aspect of work becomes more diluted sort of generally over just I think in it, the future. 
Yeah, but I think it's it's um, you know the responsibility of companies to to then replace that with something else. So, and otherwise, you're right. People will make decisions based on, you know, that they will go to companies that do have something that promotes that. And yeah. and I think saying, I wouldn't say it's gone. I think it's it's um it it well it disappeared or it it, it vanished for a while, but <laughs> it's now. But but you know we look across um, our customer base, there there's a lot of return to office activity, um, and you know a lot of the conversations we're having with our customers is, what are you what experience are you trying to create for those people returning to the office, and and that's something that we're working on as well. You know we're going through a significant acquisition or integrating a, a significant acquisition. How do we bring those new people? into the wider group and and get them interacting in the right way and i know that's something that's being looked at but i think that's that's something every company has to has to um, consider in terms of what they have to do to make that um successful but i also think there's a there's a longer term impact here as well and i think this is something that the entire working world probably has to have a think about is that we know through our age well ricky and my age you know obviously Lindsay, you're very you know that much younger than us um but <laughs> there is an entire generation coming into the working world who haven't had that whole you know water cooler conversation the walk up to the shops the this and that and the other they're going to walk into a world where they're basically remote a lot of the time and if you don't get that balance right you're going to have a lot of socially disconnected employees and I think that is a real worry. And that might be that might be five, ten years down the line that it starts to actually take impact. Yeah, I think you're right. But there's there's something brewing in the background that I think we've got to be quite careful of. Hopefully we'll get the whole pandemic under control and you know, we'll we'll be able to oh sh I said the word, didn't I? Damn, ah, yeah, ah. I've got to find myself. Never mind. Um but yeah, I think you know we'll get that hopefully under control um and then we'll be able to you know effectively pick and choose where we work where we travel who we communicate with who we go and physically meet but uh yeah i think it's definitely one to watch for don't get me wrong i think there's huge benefits to remote working but just yeah i'm still in my pajamas <laughs> too much information <laughs> now i'm in my in my um afternoon attire now you know but um uh <laughs> Cool. All right. Um, I, I think on that suitably low note, we probably ought to wrap it up and say thank you very much to, <laughs> to the guests today. Uh, Ricky Fancelli, Head of Sales, Lindsay Ansel, uh, Customer Success Manager for the product team. Um, and we will be back again in two weeks time with another set of topics. Thank you very much both. Thank you very much. Take care, everyone. This is the ModPod, brought to you by Modality, helping businesses optimize their Microsoft technologies everywhere.